0: Well, welcome everyone to our uh, second official information session for the Medfield State Hospital Redevelopment. This is actually a great crowd. I wasn't sure when I pulled in, the parking lot was almost empty. I said, gee, I see a few people walking in, but like nobody's here, but obviously you're all here. So thanks very much for coming. Uh, If anybody doesn't know, I'm Gus Murphy on the board of Selectmen. And I'm also a member of the Development Committee I live within walking distance of the state hospital property and I started paying attention to it prior to our buying it in 2014 when I realized it was sort of a big deal and I live close enough to it that I probably should start paying attention to it. So I was on the state hospital advisory committee that wound up making the recommendation that we buy this. Uh, and I will tell you quite frankly, when I was on that committee, before we act, I actually endorsed the idea of buying it, the one thing that kind of stuck in my head was, Medfield can sometimes be a little bit ornery and prickly and slow in making decisions about what they wanna do. And I said, what if that happened? And I said, nah, it won't happen on something this important. That's eight years ago. Uh, but in fairness, four of those years were spent working with people getting public inputs onto what went into, ultimately became our master plan that the State Hospital Master Planning Committee came up with. So I'd, I'd ask you all just to think about the fact that the town spent four years trying to get inputs on this, pull, pull this together uh, into a plan. That plan actually won an award for, for how we went about doing it and how that plan how that plan worked. At the end of that fourth year, we had the plan. We and uh, the selectmen formed a development committee under Todd Trebenko's able chairmanship, and we have uh, Chris McMahon. And where's Johnny? Is Johnny here? Johnny's not here. Okay, he's a, he's a baseball practice. Um, what we what we were, what the selectmen asked the committee to do to start with the very first question in the first year was, "All right, we've had this master plan. We've asked everybody what they want." we're not really sure that this master plan actually has any grounding in reality from an economic reality standpoint. So in the first year, the time was spent reaching out to developers to ask the simple question, here's the plan. We've actually got a, we have zoning laws that basically reinforce implementing the plan. Is this thing real? Or do we have to change the zoning laws, you know, bylaws, or is this practical? To be honest with you, I thought the answer was gonna be, no, not the way you guys did it. You didn't really pay enough attention to the economics, but instead to our pleasant surprise, certainly my pleasant surprise, it it was determined to be practical, that uh, they thought it could work with that. So we had to go ahead to uh, try to proceed with developing the plan. And since that time, we've gone through initial rounds of information gathering with a number of developers and as I guess, because you're all here, you're all aware that we had two responses to the RFP that went out about a year, about a year ago, almost a year ago now. Uh, one from Pulte, which was sort of a, a massive bulldoze, knock everything down, we're gonna put up a lot of houses, we're gonna give you a lot of money. And the other one was from Trinity. Uh, speaking personally, I was surprised at how responsive Trinity was to what we said we wanted in the master plan. I just kind of assumed that it wasn't going to be as close as it ultimately turned out to be. And uh, that's a credit to Trinity from what I've, I'm not a real estate guy. I I just tag along on this committee, but from what I've learned and what I've heard, uh, Trinity is recognized as being, I guess, I could at least call you a preeminent developer, if not the preeminent developer for projects of this type. So, uh, at this stage of the game with where we're at, uh, I think we, we actually have a good partner to work with in, in moving ahead with this if the town decides to move ahead. Uh, I wanna share a couple things that I've heard through email that we might as well just get out on the table right now. This is so rushed, so rushed that you know, you're really pushing this. It's the last day of school that we're gonna be having this town meeting. That's not fair. I don't have my head on straight. I haven't had time to look at all this stuff. And I will point out that we've had this property for seven and a half years, that we've had the RFP out there for a year, that we've had the proposal since last fall, and that the development committee has run a number of different information sessions that would allow anyone who really wanted to learn about the project to learn about that. We have not had the actual results of the due diligence until just the last week and a half. So there is information out there that's gone through some of the details, but that hasn't been broadly available for a long, long time. Uh, and we do not yet have the finalized LDA, which is the, the land disposition agreement. It's kind of the, it's the purchase and sales agreement with all of the nitty gritty details on the transaction. Uh, I am optimistic that we will have it by the end of the week or the very beginning of next week and for those tomorrow uh, yeah tomorrow uh, and for those from Trinity that doesn't mean we're rolling over and play, rolling over and playing dead we we don't have that many things left to get to and we're making good progress so I'm optimistic that we'll be able to close the gap and we'll, we'll be able to get that that will be something that you should be able to take a look at next week you know somewhere on the order of about a about a week or so before our special town meeting on the 21st um, so the last thing I want to say about that on why are we doing it now and, and it's rushed and it's the last day of school. And I've heard lots of reasons why all that's bad and we need to take another six months to think about it. First off, I, I truly believe this particular project as proposed is the one opportunity that we will have to preserve those buildings. So you, you, you may not think it's good enough. You may not want to do it. You should understand that if this does not go through, you should not expect we're gonna go through another lengthy strategic planning process with lots of participation to come up with yet another concept for for preserving all these buildings, uh, and then go out looking for somebody else or to see if Trinity wants to come in a second time and try to get it right on a second time. This is is our opportunity to do what it is a lot of people have said over the years they wanna do. So keep that in mind. I'm not telling you just buy everything you hear, but keep that in mind that as a practical matter, I believe this is the fork in the road for us. When we bought the property, we said we wanted to control our destiny. On the 21st, the people who show up to vote will have a chance to control that destiny. One way or the other, however it goes, that's what's coming up. Um, I think you've heard enough from me So I'll, I'll end that here, but obviously we're here to, to hear questions for you to learn more. And I think I'm prepared to hand this over to the able hands of Abby or okay. I will say one last thing, and this is early in the process. My direct experience in working with Trinity, as I do believe there, you know, we haven't gotten to the hard stuff yet down the road, so maybe this all blows up, but, um, (laughs) i've I found in the in the interactions that I've had with them so far uh, in the proposal that they wrote uh abby in the in the last session you said something that actually caught my attention she said you know we actually love these kinds of buildings we love these kinds of projects she actually said it in a way where I think that's absolutely true they do uh and i've I've just appreciated the kind of collaborative respectful uh responsive tone that we've had in this early stage so I'm looking forward to if this, if this passes on the 21st, to have a good project going forward.
1: Thank so. you.
2: Thank you, Gus, and thank you to everyone who's here. I see a lot of faces that we saw on the 18th at our last public event, and also board chairs and board members and committee members and group members that we've been meeting with for the last month. So I really appreciate everyone's attention and involvement with this project and for coming out tonight. Um, As you know, we're going to talk about the Medfield State Hospital redevelopment. Our goal tonight is really to give you our feedback on your feedback, no, but we, we do take what we hear from the community under advisement. We like to come into projects that might have a couple more challenges, they might be a little bit more difficult than a standard project might be, but by engaging in community input, that's really how we come up with projects that we're proud of at the end of the day and that the communities are proud of at the end of the day. So thank you again for your time, and I hope that I can give you some good answers tonight, that we can give you some good answers. I'm gonna invite up Abby Goldenfarb, Vice President of Development at Trinity Financial. I also just want to acknowledge our team that's in the room. We have Kendra Hollywell and Bethany Moody from Icon Architecture. We also have Matt Keeley and Jeff Ketteritz from VHB and Emily Scarf from Clotford Martin Design Group. And then on Zoom, we have the rest of our team who is ready to answer specific questions for you all. So what did we hear on May 18th? Um. We've, just to talk about the process that we've gone through since that time, we've received all of our reports during due diligence back and received all of the peer reviews that we had been expecting. So those are available on the town website for everyone to look at. If you haven't read them, I suggest that you do and you, get the questions that you have addressed they're all ready for public consumption and we're really proud of the work that has gone into this and the answers that we've come to which we're going to be talking about tonight we've also had a multitude of meetings with stakeholders from individual meetings with folks um, meetings with groups who are interested in town and then gone through many of the boards and committees that would have jurisdiction over this project so we're really proud of the work that has gone into this like i said we would not have a successful project without intense input from the community and we believe that we've just started that process and just started these conversations so thank you all i'll now invite abby up to talk about some of the key issues that we're talking about today
3: hi everybody thanks so much for joining um one of the top issues that we heard about was what will the impact be of this development on the town of medfield And um, from our perspective, and from the perspective of our consultant, um, Mark Fugere, uh, we present present to you uh, what the findings were. Uh, The proposal positions the Medfield State Hospital to be on the tax roll for the first time. So the taxes that will be be, um, gained by the town are um, fiscal. Um, sorry, excise taxes, as well as property taxes. So those results in total revenues per year of 1.3 million. Uh, This development protects the town of Medfield from 40B unfriendly developments. We'll be adding approximately 334 apartments to the town's standardized um, subsidized housing inventory we have taken this project with the approach that we are trying to be responsive to what was put forth in the master plan Uh, we've been following this development and the master planning effort for many years and we put forth a a project that complies with the master plan our goal all along, uh, yes, we do fall in love with buildings for better or worse, um, but we are restoring all the contributing historic buildings on the property. There are two buildings which are non-contributing historic and we will not be re- rehabilitating those. We will also be taking on the environmental and hazardous material concerns, that these are um, currently the responsibility of the town of Menfield. We have preliminary estimates that these equal approximately $20 million in additional costs. Uh, So this is something that we will be taking on as part of the redevelopment.
4: Okay,
3: Uh, public access. We heard that this was, um, we wanna make sure that the public has access to the property. Uh, What we are proposing for this and in talking with the town is that the town roads would remain public. Uh, We will be rebuilding the town roads as part of the project, but they will be in the hands of the town to maintain them and public will have access to them. This will be like any other neighborhood in the town of Medfield. You can walk down the street, you can have access to the trails. Uh, We are proposing a couple of easement areas that are the legal uh, ways by which people can pass through the project. Um, I don't know if I can, uh, we've heard and it was in the RFP that that, the access across the site was really important in addition to walking on the public roads. uh, We're proposing an easement, you'll see it's in orange, where people can by right, pass through. You know, we will welcome people to pass on the sidewalks when they live there, as long as they're respectful of their neighbors, you know, as you would in any town, if you're disorderly and and disruptive, you know, that's problematic uh, for a neighborhood. But um, you will be able to legally pass through the property in addition to walking on the roads and sidewalks. And um, for the Norfolk Hunt Club, which I know there's members here tonight, I can't, See them, but oh yeah, right in front. Um, th- we're proposing this uh, public access area uh, on the uh, on the bottom of the screen. That orange area will allow your you and the hunt club to pass through and others uh, from one side of the property to the other. Um, As you know, and as we've said before, the town has made the decision to hold on to certain areas that were important to the town. So the town is holding on to the land in the green, in the arboretum, and in the north field. So the only particular access that the hunt club, for example, will need across the property is in that little section of the west slope. What we heard was schools, schools are a concern. Uh, We know that when we go into towns, the concerns about how many children will be adding to the school system. Uh, We had a fiscal impact study done by Mark Fougere, and this has been uh, peer reviewed by the town. This is up on the town's website. Uh, we envision 61 to 66 school-aged children will, be, um, will come from this development. This is taking into consideration other developments that are new and the, the average school-aged children per unit um, and also just previous um, experience doing this. Using the higher estimate of 66 additional students, we've had conversations with the superintendent about what additional costs will be that the town will incur. So, this could be an additional bus route to the site, additional costs for educating um, for special education, and then additional teacher salaries and benefits. So, we have um, met with the school committee, we heard from them last night and um, we're learning about kind of additional mitigation they might be looking for um, to offset these costs. But just a note, the $1.3 million in revenue will pay for these costs that we anticipate uh, coming out of the future uh, children at the site. We also heard about traffic, uh, we've studied uh, all of these intersections were studied uh, by the group of VHB and uh, I'm going to talk to you in kindergarten level traffic, because that's kind of where my brain goes. If you want uh, college education traffic, we have uh, Matt back there. Uh, the. Traffic impacts were not deemed as significant. Does that mean there will be no traffic impacts? No, not at all. Uh, we expect, I think it's approximately 2,000 vehicle trips a day in and out. And this is, um, Matt, do I have that? I have that right. Um, so what we have done is looked at uh, ways to improve improve uh, the intersections that are the most problematic. And these three intersections uh, that we've identified are intersections that are currently in an awkward triangular um, configuration and we're going to be proposing to making them more regular t-shaped intersections so that they're safer uh, easier to travel i know when i'm driving home at night it's confusing to figure out which part of the triangle you enter Uh, so this um, according to the traffic engineers and according to the previous study that was done uh, by I think it's niche engineering uh, for the town before we even came into the scene, uh, these were three intersections that were deemed to be critical. Can yeah. Okay, infrastructure. Uh, again, my level of um, understanding water and sewer is a very general level. Um, but we wanted to understand uh, is there enough capacity in the existing water and sewer systems to support the proposal so we are proposing new water and sewer infrastructure Uh, we had our studies were done by vhb again to determine um, how much water and sewer capacity we would need we our proposal uses less than half of the estimated water and sewer demand estimated by the town's consultants in the state hospital master plan Uh, we met with the water and sewer board Um, i think i can characterize the meeting as they as well they they thought we'd add only about three or four percent to the town's total water capacity or it says four and five percent Um, The wastewater treatment plant has sufficient capacity for anticipated wastewater. So happy to dig more into those findings if you have any questions um, later on in the presentation. Noise, Uh, this was something that we brought up at our last meeting. Um, We understand there's the state's uh, gun range down the street. Uh, We are in favor of the state police being adequately and appropriately prepared. Uh, What we would like to do is try to mitigate the noise coming from that gun range. Uh, What we have done uh, since we met is to identify um, what types of barriers could we create to um, to dampen the noise. Uh, we don't want to move the gun range. Uh, we're not um, proposing that, but we went to our sound technicians at a company called Ascentec, and they identified three different concepts to enclose the gun range. Uh, right now, I'm not sure if you've been there, but the range is open to, to the sky, and um, the 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 ammunition uh, goes directly kind of into these um, barriers that are put up. So by enclosing the gun range in a um, concrete structure, we've determined that that could adequately dampen the noise. Um, In order to kind of enact the next step of how do we enclose the gun range, we took the steps of figuring out who exactly owns the gun range. Now that's not as simple as just pulling up the property card, Uh, we are having the title run on this so that we can determine exactly the entity in the state of Massachusetts that owns the gun range. Uh, We've also engaged our permitting team uh, to figure out, is this a site that could be built upon? We don't want to, we want to make sure it's not, um, there's not environmental concerns building on it. So, in working with the town, um, having conversations with mass development, we think there's an adequate path forward that would result in keeping the gun range on site, but in closing it so that the sounds can no longer be heard when you're walking across the Medfield State Hospital property. Environmental remediation uh, this was brought up by many folks as a concern. Uh, we have been working with a couple groups, uh, one of whom um, I believe is on, on the call tonight, McPhail Associates. Uh, they've pretty much done almost every project in the 35 years of our company. Uh, when we are, are nervous about something or about land, uh, we call up Ambrose Donovan from McPhail to have him kind of talk us through um, his different reports. You'll see those up on the town's website. Um, he did say that there are, you know, we know there's m- mitigation going on right now at the laundry parcel, that's a concern. Uh, we wanna make sure that mitigation is done by the state, that it's done to the standards that are it, it should be, and we will continue to watch that. Um, that's not part of the property that we're buying, but it is next to it. So, of course, we will wanna be paying attention to that. Uh, we also uh, had a group called Vertex go into each of the buildings and test for lead paint. Uh, that's where the estimate of $20 million in remediation comes from. Now, just so you know, if, if the town meeting doesn't pass and this project doesn't go forward, it's not like the town could go in and demolish the buildings and, and there's an open field for everyone. In order to demolish the buildings, the abatement needs to be done. Uh, Otherwise, it's a risk to everyone working on the property. Uh, So that abatement cost is out there whether the project moves forward or whether the buildings deteriorate and need to be demolished in the future. Uh, So that $20 million is real, Um, but it's it's something we've worked with before. Um, Not you know, this is our first project with 27 separate buildings. Um, But again, most of the projects we work on, especially historic projects, um, have some, uh, level of, um, hazardous materials remediation. Kendra. thank you.
5: Thanks Abby. Can you all hear me? Yes. Great. Great. So I'm an architect with icon architecture. We do love old buildings. We love challenges. Um, And Bethany is here with me. Her specialty is existing buildings, and she's working on several right now. Um, What we've done so far looking at these buildings, for those of you who were here last time, is there's been a team of people, a group called Existing Conditions, and they've gone through every building and done a bitmap, dot map um, scan, a 3D scan of each of the buildings. So we've got that as great reference material we've also had our structural engineer walk through the building's courtesy of John Thompson here so we've gone through we're we're digging in we've also looked at each and every floor plan we've taken the floor plans from existing conditions we've looked at how we think a residential use will fit in here you know we want to make sure every bedroom has a window make sure that we understand the size of these potential apartments um, housing is our specialty, so we're pretty comfortable laying these out. Uh, one of the questions that came up was how are we providing accessibility across the site?? Right? There are two buildings on the site right now that have elevator cores. So we're looking at those two buildings specifically to to reuse those elevator shafts, we hope. So that's those are probably the two that would have elevators the reason we wouldn't do it in all the others is because they have pitched roofs, and this is historic, and so we don't want to puncture through those roofs. We're really respecting the building envelope. But what you see here are a couple of those floor plans. I think it's it's buildings 13 and seven. And so the red uh, square. How do I move it forward, Abby? I did. I did. Great. Great. Okay. The greenest building is a building that's already there, right? We are so fortunate to have these beautiful structures. So uh, inherently, this is this is a great way to start the site. We are proposing that the site be all electric. That is the way the future is, as we hear gas prices going up. Um, we want to be a carbon neutral society moving forward. Uh, we are looking at heat pump technology. I don't know how many of you all have, you know, outdoor units and um, mini splits. And hot, I re- also recommend that hot water as well cuts your energy cost significantly. So that's what we're looking at, as well as meeting all the, the current energy codes for when we when we build these buildings. We, those, those things include things like LED lighting, dark sky lighting outside, um, low flow fixtures, ENERGY STAR appliances, and efficient windows that also will meet historic standards. So we're also going to, uh, there's a question in a minute, but we're also going to employ a envelope consultant because each building is different and working with a masonry building brings up a different set of issues than any other building type. There was a question about, could we do geothermal here? Um, geothermal is a, a pretty big endeavor. You have to drive uh, piles down deep into the earth. Um, it's a pretty expensive operation, and I think we'd like to try to focus on the buildings above ground first before we start digging down below ground. So. That's we're not. I'm not saying we're not absolutely not doing it, but it's very unlikely, considering all the things we have to do to, to save the buildings that we that we care about. Sorry. There we go. Got it. Got it. So we do love solar, um, but since these are historic buildings with pitched roofs. One of the things we have to think about is where are, you know, is what you see on those roofs. And so what we're showing here on the screen are uh, this top image is you can't add something that sticks up above the roof. There are three buildings on campus that are flat, those are shown down here in the corner. Those are the flat roofs, so that's where we'd like to look at putting solar, but we'll have to study to make sure that when you're standing sort of in a public zone, when you look up, you don't see these sort of technical equipment sticking up above the roof, but that's something we'll look at. Another option is to do um, solar on the site. Maybe there are places that are less visible, but still get good sunlight. We've got an image here of the solar flowers. That's a really fun way to do it. Um, creatively, so it's not just a solar farm, but that's something that we're looking at. So our, I mentioned our structural engineer has been out on site a couple of times, walking walking through six selected buildings. Those buildings are circled here in red. So we uh, picked a variety of buildings, from large to small, flat-roofed to pitched. And, um, and we also asked him to look at one that, w- that we saw some evidence on the outside of some some deterioration. So you see the list of those buildings here. And Abby mentioned there are two buildings that we are taking down because they're non-contributing. This is tricky. Oh, there we are, OK. Great. So these are some photos that our structural engineer shared with us uh, from his first visit out to the site. And what he sees most typically in these buildings is that within the the valleys of the roof, and there are a lot of them, right, where the roof comes down, where the dormers come down into a roof, there are a lot of these valleys. So what that does is it makes a, a valley, it holds water, and water has been seeping in over the years. And he said he said this is in about ninety percent of the conditions. So there, this is pretty extensive. And we all know that water water is the great destroyer. Even you know a few drops will do it. So there's there's rot that's caused rot at the at the roof beams. You can see that here. Um, and one of the things that the structural engineer does is he sort of pokes at things, right, to see if it's soft. So he was doing some of that and did see some softness in those beams. Um, so there are additional structures in the beams and the flooring um, due to this moisture. The image there at the far left is a basement, and you can see, you know, this this pretty significant pool of water, just as an example. Um, he's seen some split beams at the you know, above the ground floor, um, and then some. Um, there's some soft flooring as well, so there's, there's some pretty notable concerns about the structure here, um, as well as some more decorative features that we've all seen on the outside that are deteriorating railings and balustrades. I think that's would say on the inside as well in some conditions. There are a few places where the masonry has fallen down. Um, sometimes it's because a chimney m- may have been loose up above, and so it was knocked down in order to keep it from falling further. But that's something that we're looking at as well. We haven't, he hasn't completed the report yet, but that's underway. He's sort of gathering his thoughts. He's been through the buildings and he'll be putting the report together um, in the next few days.
3: I think it's important with this slide to communicate that these are things we expected. So these aren't things that we're, we're telling you about and then we're going to say, you know what, town meeting happened and now the buildings, they are worthless and we're going to demolish them. These are things that we know was going on and that we're prepared to address. We've have contingencies in our budget to address it, but these don't, though you hear it and it sounds scary it's not like it's your own house and the you know the roof's going to collapse uh, we can employ our architects and our historic consultants to really address these these issues that this just helps us get more information as to what exactly we'll need to do so right. If this were my house and someone were, re, you know, showing those images to me, I'd be like, oh, I'm out of here. Uh, but, th- but these are all things that we anticipate and have worked with before.
5: Yes, we, we have dealt with these things before. I don't know if, if you were here last time, you probably saw some of the photos of our Appleton project where the floor was falling in. We can figure this out. We've got a good structural engineer um, and a good team. And, um, and and we can we can do this. It's just getting an understanding of what to expect generally. The next step would be for the structural team to look at each of the buildings to document what's going on there, and then again, to get further into it to document it still further. So it is just the beginning. Sorry to scare everybody too much. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. I think that's the last of my slides. I'm going to invite Emily up to talk about um, some fun stuff. The um, the site as a whole. Do you want me to drive for you? You want to come up? You use this. Hi. Good
6: evening. Um, I'm Emily. I'm for uh, the landscape architect. Um, one of the project landscape architects from Clough Fur Martin Design Group. Uh, we're Boston based landscape architecture firm, and we've done a number of projects in the area. We primarily work in New England, so we really know this area well. Um, And can you hear me? Is this better? I know I'm I'm also wearing a mask, so. (laughs) Um, Okay, so um, at the last meeting on May 18th, we had an informal charrette at the end of our presentation, and we set up easels and um, asked everyone, gave out some um, little green and red stickers and asked everyone to come up and put stickers on images of the, um, uh, on images that they liked. And we had selected images um, from past projects, from um, projects in the area, landscape improvements or amenities that we think would be appropriate for this site, for the state hospital site. Um, And so, Just to to walk you through them, Um, we had meadows, so looking at different types of planting, potentially native planting and meadows. Uh, Parking courts, so uh, strategies for parking, instead of having one big parking lot, having sort of a network of smaller green parking spots across the site. Canopy trees, as everyone knows, there's already some beautiful specimen trees on site. I have never seen trees like this existing on a site except for at the Arnold Arboretum or at um, Mount Auburn Cemetery. They're just stunning. So how can we keep them? How can we protect them? And how can we um, add to the existing tree canopy on site? And then um, lastly, community gardens. So those are some of the landscape and um, planting strategies that we had people look at. Um, And then activities. So play, uh, play spaces, children's play spaces. Um, activity plazas a place to gather do outdoor yoga um, fitness so it could be fitness for um, uh, people of all ages and different skill sets um, and then lastly a central green something like a, sort of a town square or you know Harvard Square you know Harvard has that the central green spaces so how can we bring people in and create this community central green space um, and then program or what we you know activities that we can have on site community events um like an outdoor cinema or is it the the norfolk hunt club Uh, multi-use trails so trails that accommodate uh pedestrians people riding bicycles uh, people with kids and strollers dog walkers um dog park do we need a, a, a separate area just for dogs i know that's a big component just having walked this site um one afternoon. <laughs> There's no shortage of, of um, dogs visiting the site, let's say. Um, and then lastly, sport courts. So that could be tennis. Uh, pickleball is really popular, bocce, or um, basketball. So a whole host of different types of um, uh, sport courts. So we had people come up. I don't know if you can see it from where you are, but people put picture, uh, stickers on the images that they like in those categories. Um, and then what we also heard, which was an excellent um, comment from John Thompson, we we were asked a question, can we make a space to commemorate Medfield State Hospital's history, a really rich history, and its former residents, um, all the people that lived and worked on this site? And so that's something that we'd like to develop with you and also, you know, knowing the history, how can we commemorate? The, the history of this site, part of the landscape. Oh, sure, sorry. <laughs> I sound so loud to myself, but. <laughs> um, so what we heard for the landscape approach, here are four images of the different types of landscapes that we think would be appropriate or different landscape planting strategies. Um, on the far left, it's an image of the Fresh Pond Community Garden that KMDG worked on. Um, in Cambridge, that got a lot of green dots, sort of a critical mass of green dots, um, uh, wildflower gardens um, or meadows, um, and so that would probably include native Massachusetts plants. Um, and then lastly, tree canopy, improving and protecting the tree canopy. Um, and then what we heard for activities. So. Um, green dots that were uh, activities that were popular hiking and walking trails uh, movable site furnishing so that's informal furniture maybe adirondack chairs you can move around the site summertime movie nights or other cultural events uh, multi-use trails including horse trail riding this got a critical mass of green dots it's an image from the norfolk hunt uh, website um, Dog play space, or dog park, dog playgrounds. And then, actually, we got a lot of red dots, or a few, on um, one of the images of the sport court, so the basketball court. And then, uh, lastly, what we heard about parking and site access. So um, positive green dots, um, shaded parking courts, um, and that would be, you know, these these this network of parking, uh, shaded areas, convenient parking for visitors and residents, um, improved public access, and electric vehicle charging stations. And then uh, red dots. We, we noticed a critical mass of red dots on these um, paved areas, these images, sort of like more of an urban plaza. Um, so, we definitely noticed that, that those comments and, and heard those comments. Um, and um, back to Trinity for the path forward. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you,
2: Emily. Um, I also have to apologize. I should be better at technology than this, but I missed a slide previously. So, I'm going to go back to it. <laughs> okay. Um, I just want to acknowledge, I think the person in this room who has had the most intimate knowledge and, um, you, uh, knowledge and access to the hospital site is John Thompson. Our due diligence work would not have been possible without him. And, I personally, and on behalf of my company and our consultants, we're really thankful for the time that you've put in. Uh, This idea, this labyrinth that you see, or having a memorial or a place to pay homage to the former residents and the use of the site is something, like Emily said, that John brought up to us. And we think it's a great idea. Like Abby said at the beginning, we really choose projects where we fall in love with the buildings and the sites and the communities. So these are some things that we heard that don't necessarily deserve a response, but we want people to know that we're taking them on the importance of community uses. We've heard from the Norfolk Hunt Club, we've heard from CAM, we've heard from the Boy Scouts that many people have ties to this site that are very important and that's not an exclusive list. We would love to engage with the schools and other groups that want to maintain access. Uh, We know that the overlook is very important to folks and we see this as an asset to our development. We don't create gated communities. So it's really important to us that the way that people enjoy the use of the site now continues on. Emily spoke about the native plantings and landscaping, but maintaining the green. That's one of the reasons that we were drawn to the site as well. You go up there, you take a breath of fresh air, and it's just, I mean, I live in Boston, so it's like nothing I ever see. we, we really see this as an asset and want to maintain it. Again, having dark skylighting and camouflaging the parking, nobody likes a big old parking lot. It's hot, it's bad for the cars, it stinks to walk around. So I think we've heard a lot from the community in the way that you would want this designed, and that's really valuable to us. Um, and then intergenerational housing opportunities. We had a meeting at the center on um, the 18th of May before the public meeting, where we got to hear from the folks that visit the center. Um, And we learned of so many seniors who want to move into this development were it to be created. So that's a great sign. I think we're really excited about the different housing opportunities that this creates. um, And we would love to continue this conversation. So that is what I missed at the end. And now just talking about the path forward. We all know that we have town meeting coming up, not next Tuesday, but the one after. All of the reports, like I said at the beginning, are available on the town's website related to the MSH site, and we encourage you to read them, to pore over them, to read the peer reviews, talk about them with your friends, and get us your questions. If you have questions or if you want my contact information, I have business cards and I would so happy to connect with people in this community to get them answered for you. We like informed decisions at Trinity. So I expect that you all will do your due diligence in making that decision as well. On Saturday, June 18th, Abby will be on the um, State Hospital site. We actually um, learned about a breakfast food truck that has um, croissants and muffins and coffee. So we would love to get people up to the site. Maybe you go there and walk your dog every week. Maybe you don't and you haven't been there in years. So come up there, talk to us in an informal setting. Um, This will be our last touch point before town meeting and we wanna make sure that we hear you if you wanna be heard. Yes, Kendra. Oh, that's a great point. It's breakfast. So Abby will be there about 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Um, and then also pictured is Abby's dog who will be joining. <laughs> and my last, my last call is that um, our special town meeting vote, as you know, is June 21st. This is really the date for the project. So we encourage you to exercise your rights and come vote. But thank you and we will now take questions or comments. Okay, uh, one second. So we need to use the microphone so the Zoom folks can hear us. So I'll call on people, and then we'll get you a microphone. Okay.
7: Okay. Okay. okay so my question regards the uh, the vote itself. Uh, Last year, Governor Baker passed the Housing Choice Bill, which was specifically aimed at getting more housing, and I worked particularly, I worked very hard on it with him. And one of the issues was to reduce or eliminate the two-thirds majority. So are we voting and will this qualify or this should qualify as a simple majority to decide whether or not this gets approved? Can that be confirmed?
8: So there are uh, presently two articles um, at the town meeting. The first is to authorize um, the sale of the land to Trinity. Um, That vote as a land disposition requires two thirds. There is a second article related to zoning, which would be a simple majority vote. That is to make a technical correction so that um, building number 13, which is all the way up at the north end of the campus, is subject to the same um, zoning as the rest of the core campus on the site. So two votes. The first one is a land disposition vote, which under mass general law requires two-thirds vote. The second vote is a zoning article, which is subject to the housing choice changes that you mentioned, and is a simple majority vote. Actually, I
9: think I I I know where you're going.
8: Um. So say it again, and I'll... I'll let Sarah answer that specific piece.
9: (laughs) This is where I thought you were going. So, um, we changed the zoning in 2019 um, in the Northfield. So, the second article that uh, Nick was referring to was um, actually one of the the only zoning tweaks that we really need to do um, in order to make this development happen, and that is um, a simple oversight. Back in 2013, the mass, um <laughs> sorry 2019 the master plan called for the Dep- Demolition of Building 13, so the zoning that was passed actually did not have the multifamily use available for Building 13, which of course Trinity is reusing. So that's the zoning tweak that we need to do. That yeah is allowable um, by the simple majority vote because it's a multifamily vote. So I hope that wasn't too in the weeds for uh, some people. But next question. <sighs>
7: I know you uh, are looking at getting a big grant from MassWorks for the development for the infrastructure I'm assuming. Um I did a lot of looking through the MassWorks and uh it appears that that's really more focused those grants are focused and I think this town has gotten some of them for, you know, improving roads to get to a subdivision or whatever. And it looks like you're asking for that to be used to build the infrastructure and as I look through years of mass grants I, I didn't the biggest one that I saw was four million dollars to the city of Boston so I'm wondering I mean are you relying heavily do you have some know something that we don't know it's um, a lot of money
3: thanks so much uh, we actually were uh, we agree. It's a lot of money. Uh, we know the state. This is a very important project to the state. But we actually were the recipients uh, with the city of Lowell uh, for a $13 million MassWorks grant in its first uh, uh, first time being used. So that was back in 2009. Uh, we've worked on MassWorks. M- many of our projects have included MassWorks grant. Kevin, I know. Uh, I think Kevin McCarthy is on the line. We, we most recently used a MassWorks grant in our Orient Heights development. So while we know it's a big ask, um, and you know, we'll we'll be um, advocating as much as we can for it, uh, we think this is an important project that's worthy of such a substantial investment and it, and primarily it is for the work in the town owned roads the sewer the infrastructure so we're confident that and given uh medfields housing choice uh designation we think it's uh it's something that is worthy of being considered Thank you. This
9: question is from Helen. How many housing units are in the proposed development? Are they all apartments or are some condos or resident owned? What percent is 40B? Is there a senior housing element?
3: So we're proposing 334 apartment units. We're not proposing condominium units. Um, They range from studios to three bedrooms. They all will all of the units by uh, f- the fact that 25% will be affordable will be eligible for uh, the town subsidized housing inventory. So, did I answer? Oh, we're not, pr- we're not proposing any specific senior uh, apartments or restricted apartments to seniors, but we are, uh, we do think many of these units will be attractive to seniors.
2: Please, and I can repeat. Sure, so I'm going to repeat the question. Let me know if I miss anything. Uh, The question was at the beginning of the master planning process for the state hospital, senior housing was one of the intended uses and um, we were asked if that use has completely gone away, if that's being considered at all, and how the units will be um, ADA accessible for seniors. Um, I will just start before we get into the ADA accessibility, that we have heard that senior housing is very important to the town of Medfield. It was decided early on that since these buildings are already existing in smaller configurations, that they were not lending themselves to a senior facility with the needs that those have. To get into those details, I'm going to pass it to Kendra Halliwell.
5: That is a great question, and one of the things I, forgot to mention is accessibility around the site, right? Um, there are you know, the the site walks and drives will be improved across the site for you know for people to maneuver around the site. Getting in and out of the buildings, many of the buildings are up several steps. And so I think that's that's a question, how do people get into their homes? Um, we're looking at that again, you know, we're balancing a number of a number of challenges here, one being historic designation and keeping you know, front steps, front stoops, front halls, and interior big halls and stairs all as intact as we can, but we're going to look for opportunities to use sloped walks maybe at the rear of the buildings in order to provide that access. Again, I think the most efficient way to do that is going to be at some of the larger buildings that have elevators. So we're really going to look at each building individually for where those opportunities are. I hope that answers sort of the you know, the, physical, the physical building challenges. I think you know, most of the apartments that we're proposing are flats, right? So with most of them being flats on the ground floor, those could be accessible. We're going to look at that as well. But we're also pr- um, proposing some duplexes because that's a way also to um, I think last time we talked about how small the building footprint is, and we really don't want to build a lot of common space or hallways because these buildings aren't really designed to do that. So providing sort of private entrances is, is what we're going to try to do.
2: Thanks, Kendra.
10: Yeah, Paul Hinkley. Uh, I've worked with a housing authority for 30 years in Medfield. What they, what the seniors need is not the state hospital. They need elevators, because I know the seniors. They're not gonna carry those groceries up and down. They're hard. Right now we got 60 units in Medfield. Only 30 of them are available downstairs. And those people have to actually die before they get replaced. By another person, we're trying to put fifty-five more in on Pound Street, which will have elevators and the whole thing, which would be which would be more uh, affordable for the seniors. This here is not really good for seniors. Anybody over sixty is going to run up and down, even if it's only one floor. It's not going to happen. It's a good place for redoing what you're talking about for the doing the housing for other people, young people, that buying or whatever,
3: but it's not a scene. I, that we agree with you. We know that in the best um, examples of senior housing that we've seen are beautiful amenity areas, a lot of common areas for people to gather, a place for people to have lunch and dinner. Uh, our prime primary mission i think we said this we're we're trying to keep these buildings uh so the intent was not to uh, put new construction on the site um for housing uh, that wasn't that wasn't the objective we were trying to meet Um, There's
9: a question from Zoom from Nate. Won't town meeting have to vote separately to accept the MSH roads if Trinity plans on the town maintaining them as public ways once complete? For example, I see a North Street on the campus and the town already has a North Street.
8: Yes, for the roads to be official, public ways, they would need to go through a town meeting process, but that has to happen after the roads are built um, at a later date, it could not happen preemptively. The roads today are public, publicly owned and maintained, although limitedly maintained by the town, uh, so nothing is really changing in terms of the ownership of the roads. The official designation of a public way would take place after a town meeting, um, after this town meeting, at a future town meeting once the roads are built.
5: I just have a quick question. Will the apartments change to condos after, say, five years or something like that?
3: So that is something that's allowed under the uh, National Park Service and historic tax credit guidelines, you have to, if you're rehabilitating historic buildings using the historic federal and state tax credit, you, they need to be maintained as apartments for at least five years. Uh, that hasn't been our practice to flip them into condos. Um, a lot of developers do that. Not saying we never do that, but that's not something we're contemplating at this point in time.
0: <laughs> one one comment as far as uh, noise mitigation. My wife grew up on the end of Logan Airport's runway. She doesn't hear the planes. Uh, I live in a neighborhood adjacent to the hospital. I hear all the weapons all the time, but I don't hear them. I hear them if I, oh, you know, I listen for them. Yeah, I think you're getting overly concerned about that. I do have a question though. If If all this funding doesn't go through, like some of the funding Scott mentioned. Uh, What, if any, and the vote goes through, what, if any, fallback does the town have? Can you then go ahead and destroy all the buildings and put up a parking lot?
3: So um, the way the land disposition agreement, and and we're hopeful that it will be available for public consumption, You guys can tell me when it is available. Um, but. Uh, Trinity, once once the town meeting happens, we don't get the land. We have to come up and prove, uh, we have to get all of our permits. Uh, We have to show up with the money and show up with all of our, everything we say we're going to do until we actually can take control of the land and start construction. So that has to happen by March, 2024. There's a couple options for extending that, but uh, we can't do what you're saying and and it's not our well you'll see but it's not our habit <laughs> okay um
9: jess i'm gonna do this zoom question if you don't mind I don't
3: want
9: to <laughs> really. this is from ted is the town responsible for the cost of implementing the infrastructure for sewer and water is that cost to eight to nine million does the town expect that residents taxes will go up
8: Uh, As Abby alluded, under the land disposition agreement, the town is not um, obligating any money to the infrastructure required. Trinity is required to put up the money required for all water and sewer and roadway infrastructure um, to make the project feasible. Dave, I thought I saw our hand down this way. I know we've been keeping it over here, so. I
11: don't mind waiting, be patient. Um, My question, maybe more for the town, Cause I'm not clear on what we are going to try to vote on at the town meeting. And I don't want uh, perfect to get away or get in front of good enough. Right? So I don't know what the terms are, what we're trying to approve here. Say I like the thing in general, but I want you to put in a, a swimming pool, right? I shouldn't vote it down for that reason. It seems to me, but then there's a whole, you know, range of different things like, uh, senior housing components, th- other things that are more serious than that. I would think that you'd probably want to vote against certain things, depending on the complexity of what your objections are. So my question is more about what am I voting on? And if I have minor objections that I'd like to see you do this, but in a tennis court, you know, some nonsense, you know, is there a process by which after it's approved, we still talk to the developer about that type of stuff and if it's more serious then i think it's more clear that you don't like the development and you should vote against it
8: i'll give this one to Gus.
0: so uh the the short answer is if you want a swimming pool no you can't put that in for the request um a couple so first off what you're voting on the first article is a land you're basically authorizing the board of selectmen to dispose of the land so technically the town is not selling the land at town meeting you're empowering the board of selectmen to go and complete the transaction of selling the land the way the article is written it's very specific that it's selling the land to trinity to carry out the development in accordance with the proposal that's been so it's not a we don't get to improvise once once you give that away there is one nuance on that first article so this would be the article that uh nick mentioned requires a two-thirds approval there is a clause at the end of that article that includes authorization of a 500 foot sewer extension and what that re- it's basically we have to do that uh, because the the state hospital The sewer system at the state hospital, they had their own self-contained sewer system. So when Trinity goes to put the sewer system in at the state hospital on the site, we actually have to extend the town's main sewer lines in order to connect. In order to do that, because of the length that has to be added, we literally have to get the approval of the town to be able to do that. So you'll see that. It's kind of a weird thing you'll see in the article at the end that that's included on on the sewer line uh, a point about swimming pools and other things like that. One thing to keep in mind is that we are not selling the entire hospital property that we bought. Uh, you saw, you saw there's sections, uh, certainly we're not, we're keeping the North field. We're keeping the green. Uh, we wouldn't even be allowed to sell, sell the water tower parcel where the water tower is. Uh, and we still have the the Arboretum we're hanging on to, and then south of Hospital Road, we still have land as well. So to your point about, gee, I'd like other things, uh, this is not like a single shot transaction for us. We will have other opportunities to figure out what the town should do with other parts of the land that we own. Yeah, uh, if if uh, that might that could prove to be relevant for the people who are asking about senior housing that aren't seeing a perfect solution here, I, I think that at least is on the list of things to think about. So that if that answers that, the second article is the one on zoning, which which make which gives that little. It's actually that little thing at the very top of there that's that's jutting up into the north field. We're not changing the zoning of the north field, we're changing the zoning that affects that one building, which happens to physically be in the north field, to be zoning consistent with the rest of the campus.
12: I think it would be good to expand on this. I'm Todd Treibanko from the development committee. So. In terms of what we're selling and when, right, so there would be a permitting process, you know, if, if this is approved, a special town meeting, it goes through all the normal boards, it has to get state and federal permits as well, and that's those are public processes, and there's opportunity for people to participate. So, you know, the town bought 127 acres from the state, 87 acres up here, and then this is a sledding hill, another 40 acres, so, what is being proposed to be transferred is what's within the blue outline so the rest of this as gus mentioned the town would keep Uh, this is state land here that fronts the river so nothing changes over there so there's public access all throughout here but you know it was decided as part of the process the bid process that this arboretum area which is 11 acres with the wood frame cottages, the town is going to hold on to and one of the reasons that the town is going to hold on to it it's first of all it's it's not our our biggest problem the 20 million dollar remediation problem is what's being sold so there's 11 acres over here if the town wanted to look at senior housing new build you know that's potentially something the town could do over time separate from what's happening now at trinity
5: hi
13: um once this is all done and it's all rented out um, How long do you own the property
6: for?
3: You hear me? Yes, we do. So we will own it at least for five years. So we, Trinity, will be part of the ownership. Uh, We will also bring in an investor partner. But on a day-to-day basis, uh, you will interact with uh, me, uh, us or our property management company for at least five years. Most of the time, with developments like this, we hold on to them for a lot longer. There is the opportunity that we sell it to another apartment investor, um, but you know we can't predict that. It depends on. Um, yes. It. it so, given the historic tax credit nature of the development, it could be sold as one package, one apartment um, build well, it's considered one apartment complex sold to another owner. The whole thing could be sold to another owner if you know we entertained an investor partner who, at the end of eight years, wanted to try and sell a couple buildings as condominiums, you know, that could be something they do. We've we never done that, but it's, it's something that could be done. Um. So if we don't develop it, I the town it's our our sale but we the permits that we will have are for the 334 apartments it's not that we can sell it if someone wanted to come in and make a thousand apartments, I imagine they'd have to, they couldn't do that. Uh, They'd have to go back to a town meeting as would happen on any development in in town.
8: And just, right there, yeah, there's there's two pieces I'll pick up on, so, the land disposition agreement contains language that Trinity may not sell it for five years after the project is complete, and that runs with their um, the requirements around the historical tax credits. So there's a five-year period where it will be Trinity no matter what. Um, after that point is what Abby is referring to, where they could, in theory, if they wanted to sell it. Um, but there is, the land disposition agreement that controls what kind of development can happen on the site will run with the property. So even if they were to sell it to another party, it doesn't mean that new development company could come in and add 100 units on top of that. It's it's restricted by what will be approved at town meeting. As well as the zoning, yes. Even, yeah, to add additional um, protection.
12: I was just gonna say, uh, you know, the other agreements that will run with the land are the public access and the things I talked about. So regardless, if it were to be sold, in the future, um, all of that would stay with the town, the affordable housing restriction on the 25% of the apartments is permanent and stays with the land. So we are as a town trying to control what can be up there. I think it's hard for us to say to our development partner, you know, you can never sell it to somebody else, right? So, yeah, good question. I mean, I think probably even from what I know about your company in the 35 years, I mean, you seem to own things for a long time generally, but. Um, we're not trying to f-
3: there's some projects there's some projects we have uh, that have taken a very very long time to build and then we hold on to them for a very long time other projects um, because of our the needs of our investor and their capital needs that they we've sold them but with typically with historic buildings we've if we haven't sold them as condominiums we've h- held on to them
8: a question
14: my question is about the price i mean it seems like we're giving you guys all of this opportunity to make a lot of money for very little return to the town
12: is there is
14: that is is, if we vote this down is there a chance to renegotiate <laughs>
12: so I, I think that's a good question I'm glad you asked it the way we look at it on the development committee and we were very clear in the RFP is as a town we're not going to pay for any of this right so the remediation we wanted, we said as a town we wanted to keep the buildings so the 20 million dollars is on them so even though we're not getting that in cash and doing it ourselves you know we're getting the two million dollars from them they're spending 20 on these buildings the estimate from the strategic plan on infrastructure that would typically be funded by the town So the 2018 estimate was 26 million. They're paying for that. There's some traffic intersection improvements, they're paying for that. So I know it looks like a low price, the two million, but the obligations that they're picking up to create the project that, you know, if you go by the the four years of master planning are, are expensive and significant. And I think in contrast to the other proposal we received, which said, we're just gonna take everything down, but you know, we need to do 600 or maybe 700 apartments. So that was a higher cash price to the town, but you know we're losing basically the property as we know it. So we we spent a long time on the RFP. It was marketed far and wide. We had a lot of interest in it. We were surprised that we didn't get more proposals. I think you know from the development committee point of view, we're not at all confident if we went back out we would get anything different or anything as good. Um, I would just leave it to the selectmen, sort of, if the vote is no, what what happens i think that's a selectman decision i'm looking at you but we have other selectmen here too who might want to address the audience
15: i I have a comment and a question um the comment is um i see this as a gift that this group and trinity and the architect firm and the people and all the work that they're doing is a gift to the town nobody is going to we, we the interest is not there two people you've got the fish on the hook not in the net and not in the boat this is a gift so we need to look at it we can we are we are you know a privileged town everybody has their you know their group i'm, I'm nearing Uh, an age where I'd like to live there but that's okay this is not about me this is about we this is a great project the future of that site is bright because of this I don't think anybody else is going to develop it the way we're hearing here and I again I was at the other meeting and all the other meetings and the tone is in this town on this project is always negative this is a positive 100%. Because guess what? And I said it before, I originally was like, Mr. Treehugger, tear it all down. You know, you know what, if we don't do this, it is just an expensive dog park and poop park, poop and dog poop. Okay, fine. This is great. So let's find a way to make this happen. The the, the sec, the question is, how are we going to get I mean, I don't know, you know, depends on what the what the what the meeting is about who shows up and who doesn't we had an issue with you know you know we didn't have enough people what are we doing about getting everybody to this vote cuz it's going to happen um so that's really a town f- uh, a question for for the town so
8: just as we do with any um, town meeting or special town meeting, we try to advertise it far and wide as much as we can. You'll see it um, all over social media. It's on our website. Uh, the town is sending out a mailer this week that just says um, when town meeting is, and we hope to see folks there. Um, certainly tell your friends, neighbors. Um, we want to uh, match the historical highs that we typically get when we're the town comes out for um, a big vote. And I didn't introduce myself earlier. I'm Nicholas Maloney, the assistant town administrator, so I'm still probably somewhat of a new face.
3: Sure. Uh, thanks for, you know, I really, coming into this town, uh, We I didn't really know much about it, but you're not a negative town. We work in a lot of places where people are negative. Um, the amazing thing about this property is it really doesn't take that much imagination. We have amazing architects, but the master plan that Sarah and Nick and the, the team worked on, like that's the vision. We're just stepping in saying, we're just crazy enough to try and make it happen. Uh, we really are. We, we, there are a lot of other developers out there that uh, could very well do this, but a, a lot have chosen not to because it's pretty complicated. Um, and for better or worse, we have gathered a lot of people who kind of go on these crazy journeys with us and trying to get those state resources. And 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 we submitted all of our um, park service applications already because we are totally excited to, to see this become as beautiful as it can possibly be. But it's not our vision. It really was the town. So you guys had positivity in creating that master plan. So I think it's just harnessing that energy and getting out the vote.
14: Um, when I when I give tours at the hospital to a lot a lot of kids, I've given hundreds of tours to high school age kids from quite a few communities that you don't hear about, but they come up on buses and I give them tours of the hospital. So I've, one of the questions I get asked a lot is, "Tell me some factoids about the hospital." So I'll tell you a couple of fun things about the hospital that you might not know. Um, September 21st, 1938. Everybody remember what happened then? Pretty big hurricane, right? The hospital used to do 500 barrels of apples a year, and the apples were grown on trees on the sledding hill and across that big hill because apples have to grow out of a valley to keep them away from frost. They did 500 barrels of apple a year, and the trustees report for 1938 says, our entire harvest was picked up off the ground. Think about that. Um, Second factoid is the patients loved to read the newspaper. They wanted to read the newspaper every day. And where did they get their newspapers from? The entire town of Medfield gave all of their newspapers to the hospital so the patients would have something to read every day. The third factoid is a piece of history I'm gonna give you that nobody knows about yet, related to the hospital. And so this is sort of new information and you'll never find it if you look for it because I had found it in some very fine print buried in some very obscure records. But the hospital was actually entirely planned around another state hospital in another state. In fact, the budget for Medfield State Hospital was down to the penny the budget for the host, this other hospital. So in 1892, Herbert Federin, Nicholas Hathaway, and Jeremiah Murphy, the original building committee, got on a train and they went out to Toledo, Ohio. And they looked at the Toledo State Hospital. Medfield State Hospital was designed around the Toledo State Hospital in Ohio. They also went to Kankakee, Michigan, and looked at that hospital, but that was a Kirkbride building, so it was one big, huge building, and they wanted to get away from housing patients in a single building. They wanted to give them more access to fresh air and sunshine. The Toledo State Hospital is gone from the face of the earth. So this is the only place left on this model being based on the Toledo State Hospital, which was a cottage plan hospital. Um, So this is a really unique property, and when I hear the words, keep the buildings, it's very important to me. And I think it would be very important to Mass Historic. And I think Trinity has done an excellent job, you know, putting great emphasis on understanding the buildings. I've spent a lot of time over the last three months, and they've been very um, thorough in their look at these buildings. So I'm confident that the plan that they come up with will be very respectful of the buildings, and will be a very um, good plan uh, for the town of Medfield. Yes.
13: I was beginning to think that you weren't giving me the microphone. <laughs> no, Well, first of all, I just wanna thank uh, Trinity and Todd and the rest of the development committee for having such an open and frank conversation with the school committee last night. I know that it was a, a rough two hours and 20 minutes, which can be viewed on Medfield television. Um, but I really think that it was uh, something that was so helpful to us to be able to think about. And uh, many of those issues that we were bringing up last night, Trinity has been very responsive to already by this morning. So thank you, I really look forward to looking Uh, forward towards this project and hoping that those things can be resolved I do want to mention that uh, when we're talking about net positive tax revenue it does not necessarily mean that that net positive tax revenue is earmarked for the schools so or that that portion that we may potentially be taking is not necessarily earmarked for the schools within this additional tax income so that's just a reality and I think that we need to kind of talk about that um, as a town Uh, the other thing now that I'm not wearing my school committee hat um, and that this is a personal statement is that I've always thought of the master plan kind of as a a unicorn plan this is the thing we would most love to see I do think that as we are talking about this um, we are lucky enough to have gotten the front half of the unicorn that this is a good plan it is not everything that is you know was kind of laid out but it is most things. And that is my personal opinion. I also want to thank you for uh, thinking about things like mitigating the gun range, which I live two miles away, but in one of the kind of highest parts of the town and I can hear just as well at my house as you can hear it at the state hospital. And there are other parts of this that I really like. Um, For instance, taking my life into my own hands every day (laughs) doing the, uh, T or the, uh, merge stop at North street and Harding. In fact, I think my first year on the school committee, maybe in the first couple of months, uh, my first kind of emergency call was when a bus was rear ended there. I think we've also seen multiple other issues. So, um, I think that those are really great improvements, and I really do look forward to seeing how this kind of changes our town, not just within that property, but throughout. So um, in general, I, I think that this is a great plan, and I really do look forward to seeing how we're all able to work together to also kind of work on some of the mitigation issues that will happen um, around increased students Um, Particularly because there are also other projects in the pipeline. So it's not simply Trinity, but there are other projects that are bringing more kids into town. Um, And we're already running into space issues, but I really think that people are being very responsive to that and I appreciate that. So, Thank you.
12: So just to comment on that, I didn't realize it was two hours and 20 minutes that we were uh, just flew by. I think we learned a lot last night uh, development committee, but I I think Trinity as well, and I don't know which way you exited the high school, but we were probably in the hallway for an hour after. Uh, um, but I would say if I could ask you to put your school committee chair hat back on when Okay, well, you may have missed my email today, but I think we're very eager to Reconvene and understand. Now that we have, I think, more information about your concerns about, you know, this project may pay for itself, but there's three other that they're not in the pipeline. They're they're there, and and some of them are 90% occupied. That um, it makes sense to sort of reset and talk about it, and we'd like to do that as soon as possible, given everybody's busy schedule.
1: I have a question about implementation. Um, it's sort of a two-part question. Um, in a in a project this large and this complicated, often it's rolled out over time, so it's not like one-shot sort of thing. So my first question, I guess, is how do you envision the actual implementation and then you know opening up of the uh, of the hospital grounds for Uh, new residents. And my second question, which is sort of related, is really kind of a question between the town and Trinity. And that is, what role does the town have and and who has that role in um, overseeing that the plan is actually implemented, consistent with what our goals are? And I can visualize over the next three, five years, that lots of things can change, you know, uh, costs, the economy, lots of things can change. So it seems to me that it's important that there be a, um, a, a monitoring and oversight. And I haven't heard too much about that. So that's a question, I suppose, both for the town and for, uh, for Trinity.
8: I'll jump in to start so as was alluded to and mentioned a couple times but there is an extensive permitting process that they'll go through um, in terms of vetting out the plans with the Planning Board with the zoning board the various land-use boards and they had actually a special meeting to talk about that and to start thinking about what that process might look like um, if the vote is approved on June 21st in terms of building out what they proposed, Uh, the building department obviously will oversee this project, the building commissioner Gary Pelletier and I have already discussed um, what he might or might not need in terms of ensuring that he has the staff um, and um, consultants that he may need to help with plan review, um, construction monitoring, Um, you know, the Trinity as part of their um, proposal to the town proposed half a million dollars for our costs, including legal costs, special town meeting costs, peer review costs. And that also carries over to um, inspections and permitting costs um, to ensure that we have what we need to um, make sure the project is built out as proposed and in accordance with building code and everything else.
3: So additionally, um, as part of doing a certified historic rehabilitation, all of our plans will be overseen by the National Park Service standards and the Mass Historic Standards. So if we vary, and, and even by like one little detail on the window from what we've proposed, and when it's time for those groups to approve our completed buildings, if we've changed anything and haven't gotten their approval, uh, we don't get our tax credits. So we—that that is a huge financial risk to us. So all of our tax credit applications, everything that you will see from the outside of the building, uh, you can be assured that it will be uh, reviewed by uh, the National Park Service and Mass Historic. Uh, Regarding your question about phasing, You know, this is one of those complicated parts. Uh, We want to um, have construction done as soon as possible. We don't want a seven-year construction period to go phase by phase through the building. Uh, Conceptually, we've talked with our team about uh, engaging uh, two to three contractors to kind of take on sections of the site at once. Um, That's really complicated, and those are conversations uh, that we will have in greater detail once we know that this is a project that's moving forward we'd lose all credibility and all goodwill with <laughs> many general contractors out there if we started to have those conversations now and then on june 22nd we call them and say you know forget that those 10 hours you just spent working for us, we don't have the project. So we will be digging into those questions. Um, also, the, the, we know that site access is important to your group in particular and to others um, to maintain site access during construction and uh, our first priority will be safety and then we know right behind that is kind of how can people still walk their dogs. Um, and that's really, people want access to the trails. We know it's important to people. Uh, so we'll be working with that. Uh, that's Kevin McCarthy's <laughs> looking, pondering the, I don't know what you're pondering, Kevin, but that will be Kevin's job. And you'll have his cell phone number if you can't get in. So
16: will secretly be Abby's cell phone number. I'd like to add something to that, if I if I could. Hey uh, everybody, I'm Kevin McCarthy. I'm the Vice President of Design and Construction. And I just wanna say that uh, in terms of scheduling, you know, this is early on in the program here. We have talked to various contractors that we've worked with over the years, and we we have a plan we're confident that we can address that plan and meet the schedule. Um, In terms of um, oversight, as was mentioned, we've uh, agreed to contribute some funding to help the town with that, to make sure the town is comfortable with all their oversight. But in addition, everyone should know that all the investors that are involved in this project also have their own consultants who oversee the project and make sure that Uh, They hold us to task and that we achieve and meet um, everything that we've proposed. And everyone should feel comfortable that, you know, once we set forth on this project, we are going to finish it and finish it on time. If you ask anyone who's ever been involved in a Trinity project, when we're, when we are cut loose to get started, we finish. So I just wanted to offer that up as uh, as something to ponder, like we, once we get started, we will finish and that's n- never gonna change. It's to our benefit and to everyone involved in the project, including all our investors.
0: Kevin, I was just gonna point out that we also have oversight and you're contributing to the cost of that, but he just covered it, so.
17: Thank you, Kevin. I'm pregnant, Sailors beware, young man. You mentioned in one of the buildings here, lead. Well, lead paint, how did that all happen? Blood leads, blood leads in children was done at Boston Medical Center and we demoed it. And that night, the uh, people who ran it had dinner in Medfield. They went on lead paint band. So I'm familiar with lead. Number two. At a previous meeting, I also mentioned mold. You mentioned mold here. I mentioned about a report on mold back then, way back 2002. I'm sure it's in the foundations, it's in the granite rocks. What happens in the future with the tenants and the mold starts to happen? It's not easy to cure and to prevent residents in rural buildings from having this happen to them. The other thing that disturbs me here is this. Oh, by the way, the sliding hill, that was my initiative on the Park and Rec Board years and years ago. At the same time, John, SW846, EPA standard methods, were they used here? And that's number question one. Number two, I got a disk from some of the work that was done on the labs, by the labs for some of the on-site chemicals. I didn't mention this at the previous meeting, but I want to tell you, you run a standard in the morning of the method you're running, and you you also have to bracket the samples you're running with another with the standards. I didn't see that, and I had a disk of the analysis that was being performed on what's on the property. Sailors beware. I also mentioned in a previous meeting, some of this was of a technique called purge and trap. Well, purge and trap only does chemicals that are volatile or milk a milk weight of 200. What happens to the 200 to 400? No one has ever mentioned one chemical there then the dioxins and the molecular weight over 400. That has not been mentioned. I am very concerned with the way the methods were run, and as far as I'm concerned, if Trinity is up there and someone is there and suddenly the discovery of of chemicals are there are being caused for sicknesses, et cetera, et cetera, is the Tom responsible? How do we go about this? Have you, Trinity, done any of the analysis with an independent lab doing this? I even went to the DEP and requested some of this and they have summarily never responded back. That's with the Worcester facility in Boston. So I'm very, very concerned of the overall health of the property that's there. I think sailors beware, as we say. I'm, I'm very well versed on all these chemicals. I sold all this type of equipment and I even was, I did the ozone precursor stuffs. I did so many other things. I don't know how you get into this bracket thing here, but I just very concerned with what I've seen up at the hospital and the way it's been analyzed. And so, I just, I just say, we have to be prepared for the eventuality here. That you at least heard it, and that you never heard it before, and you took the advice of maybe some independent labs from before. So, I rest my case, we have to do more than what, we, what has been done up there, and do a better job of analyzing on-site. I'm um, technical Tom, you know that, and then some. Yeah, I can tell Hello. you, red tide. I was at the dinner at the EPA. I can tell you about all sorts of things. I can get going on all sorts of oh, yeah. chemicals, generic drugs. I can get in that. Yeah, We can do this. DNA. All right.
16: So I'd like to respond to that. Should I refer to you as Tom or technical Tom? I think Tom. No, I understand, I understand. Tom, I I, I wanna assure you that we take this very seriously, uh, primarily to begin with from a worker safety perspective. We will not send construction workers into these buildings until these buildings are properly abated uh, and cleared. We do indoor air quality we do surface testing we do lead paint removal, we do soil soil samples and soil abatement. We make sure that this site is clean before we send construction workers in there to work on the site it's a requirement. That we take very seriously, uh, because we love our construction workers, because without them this projects not going to happen um i'd I'd be more interested in talking with you more about that offline anytime uh, about your more specific concerns but i can assure you that no construction worker is going to walk into these buildings unless they have been fully abated and cleared of all hazardous materials Uh, in addition the contaminated soils that are outside the site uh, at this point, the only thing we're concerned about is maybe some lead paint that um, has bled out onto the uh, the, the topsoil on the site. But our plan is to remove all that topsoil and not reuse it in topsoil where it be it can be in contact with our residents. Uh, but um, please, I'm happy to talk to you about that further anytime. But I can assure everybody that. You know, there are requirements in place to protect workers, and we take those very seriously and we make sure these buildings are fully abated before anybody steps into them.
14: Tom, I'll just make a couple of quick comments. Um, some of you know that I'm in the hazardous materials business and um, the good thing about the state hospital is that whereas the, the asbestos and the lead paint are each in a finite box. So each building is a, it constitutes a box. So it's easier to work on environmental cleanup when it's in a box. Cause you know, the boundaries to that, when you don't know the boundaries, when it's in groundwater and it's flowing, it's a lot harder to, understand, uh, where, where things are. And, um, I have done, uh, with industrial hygienists sampling inside buildings, because each time, you know, the, the eight movies that we've done up there, we have had to have industrial hygienists go into the building and take samples. And they did take samples for lead mold and air because the Actors Guild doesn't allow the actors and actresses to work inside a hazardous environment. Their union doesn't allow it. So one of the first steps before we film in the buildings is take these samples with the industrial hygienists and then they react to that. They can use things that um, keep the dust down. They can cover the floors if there's asbestos tile. And they've done all of this and um, been very successful at it and actually, Resampled the inside air of the buildings after they have taken some remedial steps. So in all my experience in the buildings, you can see everything that really needs to be uh, managed in there. And even f- knowing this in your own home is sort of a tip, mold has to have more than 60% humidity for more than 24 hours or it doesn't sustain itself. And these buildings with all the holes in them and me Closing up windows when kids are throwing rocks at them or whatever, they breathe very well. So that's that helps to, you know, kind of keep things from being too damp. When the state shut down all the stormwater drains on the buildings, because the stormwater system off the roof was combined with the sanitary lines, that caused a lot of humidity in the basements. And I think once they open the buildings up and they redo some of the stormwater conveyances, um I think the site will really dry out. There's not a high water table up there because it's on the top of a hill. So it has a really high, good success uh, good success chances up there without having too many water problems in the buildings. Thank you, John.
12: Um, also again, the proposal is to sell the brick buildings that the town currently owns. They have these materials to Trinity to remediate and restore the buildings and that's a big benefit i mean we bought 127 acres we're keeping two-thirds of it the third we are transferring will be addressed by this group if the vote passes at town meeting Um, all the studies that the town had were posted and made available to trinity they've done they've done their own studies with licensed professionals Uh, tom i will say because i heard you say this at the senior center on the 18th these studies with mold in the library I went to the library. I spent a few hours looking at all the materials on the state hospital and the library. There's no reports on mold. There's lots of reports on you know the power plant and the salvage yard, the work that that uh, that John and Bill have been involved in. So if you have these reports, please share them. If if otherwise, we need to know where we could find them and read them. Okay, it, was, it is no longer there, so it's impossible for anyone to evaluate what information. Okay, I'm just saying we. We, we cannot locate those reports. So it's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to evaluate, um, you know, some of the information. Um, and I would I guess the last thing, I think your comment on the sledding hill was about, you know, your role in the past and thank you for that. Uh, just to reiterate, if there's any confusion, the town is not selling any land south of hospital road. Okay.
18: No,
8: I'll go to you.
18: I'll try not to make this one of my 87 part questions Uh, um, so I I did my first review of a hospital proposal in 2009 and and my goal then there was and I actually thought it was a pretty good proposal um, but my goal was to make sure that the residents of the town got the right numbers that the town got the right compensation for what it was selling and that financial and environmental risks were reduced to the maximum amount possible uh, for for the town so i've read the due diligence reports and i've read all of the peer reports and and i do have some questions Um, one of them relates to uh, gus's comment that the um, I think you be the uh, the uh, bylaw or the rule, uh, the warrant article. You'll be voting on uh, next uh, Tuesday. Is it 24? weeks week from Tuesday? Uh, basically, says uh, it'll be in accordance with the proposal. And the proposal has changed. So, without having seen the land disposition agreement, this question may go away when I see it. But but what's in the current update? as of the end of due diligence whether it's the financial whether it's the rate the the, the rental rates that are being charged um I, i'd like to see what those changes are um, before I'm, I'm comfortable with saying it's in accordance with the proposal so hopefully that, that the uh, it will re- what you are voting on will reflect the changes in the, propo- in the proposal as of may of 2022 uh, I'll give you a, a, another uh, example and another concern I have the um, water usage as a, as a fine example um, the peer review and the VHB uh, report talked about 62,000 gallons per person per day. Uh, I've just been told that I that the resident count is something like 700 to 800 um, residents. Is that correct? Is that a correct number? Well, let me finish the, the question. I guess basically the statement. So it's sixty-two. It's sixty-one thousand nine hundred and twenty-eight, off the top of my head. So I rounded it to sixty-two thousand. So sixty-two thousand. And and the peer report said that this is in fact the residential usage and does not uh, include any of the usage by um, Belforge and does not include any usage for lawn watering or anything else. So it's strictly just the residential per capita gallons per day. And if I divide 62,000 gallons by 700 residents or 800 residents, I get a number that ranges from 88.6 gallons per day to 77.5 gallons per day and the MEPA certificate that was granted in 2010 for the uh, the original project, to which uh, Trinity will be the successor, essentially, and submit a new notice of project change and everything else, uh, calls for 65 gallons per person per day resident capital use. So I'm just calling that out right now. and just saying you need, you'll need to address that. I have no issues with, uh, and I'm very pleased that uh, DPW and the PEER Uh, reviews have said that we have the sufficient capacity for both water usage and for sewer uh, uh, handling and that the sewer uh, treatment plant has the the appropriate capacity. So I'm happy with that, but I do want the the water issue to be resolved uh, the usage per. You'll have to face that when you make your uh, single environmental impact report anyway. Uh, My only other comment I guess is about the the rental rates uh, so b- by raising the the rate your rental rates so by raising the rental rates i mean if i did the calculation right they've essentially gone up about 1.5 million dollars which would be total income um, it, again i haven't seen a new pro forma yet either by the way but um so trinity would would recog- uh realize about another 1.5 million total income uh, and my question would be, how does that affect the revenue that's coming to the town? Because the revenue didn't change. It's essentially the same revenue that was there before. So I would just raise that question. I've also sent some uh, other questions about, you know, separating what are demolition costs, et cetera, to uh, the committee, but um, presumably they have passed that on. I also had some questions for the committee and the town to be answered. One of them's not there, but uh, at the town meeting, uh, my question would be, will the boards or town departments who've given their approval to some of these uh, usages uh, and projections and estimates, uh, will they be speaking to it or will it just be the Warrant Committee uh, that will be speaking? Uh, I'll wait for an answer, Not doesn't have to be tonight, just I would I would like to hear from the people who essentially are putting their reputations on the line along with the town residents who are putting our future uh, tax bills and everything on the line as well. So that's pretty much it. Thank you.
3: Um, Mr. Mazzara, we received your uh, list of questions and we'll be addressing those. So thank you and if you want us to address some of them now. I don't know if you want to speak to the board. Okay.
8: And Bill, I don't, I didn't see you on the call, but just so you know, the Board of Water, and for anybody else interested in the water and sewer piece of this, the Board of Water and Sewerage met on Tuesday afternoon to discuss this. It was probably about maybe an hour into their meeting. The the video's on YouTube if you want to watch it. Um, they agreed with Environmental Partners, um, who was our peer reviewer, assessment that there is a sufficient water and sewer capacity in addition um, monday night the warren committee will be discussing um, this project and christian carpenter from the board of water and sewerage will be attending that meeting to meet and discuss it with um, with them and dave pucci is here as well as an associate member of the board of water and sewerage and i know he's been um, following this intently um, any other questions gene i'll go to you since, and gil will come back to you in a second
4: I'm Jean Meneo with the Cultural Alliance of Medfield, now known as the Belforge Art Center. And um, we're actually a leaseholder right in the middle of this property on two buildings. We're grateful to the town for that opportunity. We'll be raising $25 million to do our renovation, so it's at no cost to the town. And I just want to go on the record as being very supportive of this Trinity proposal. Um, We've had several, lots of conversations actually, and I've been very impressed with how open they are Um, and the benefits for us specifically have to do with the infrastructure that will be brought to the property, but also the historic tax credits where we're expecting several million. We have over a million secured so far, but that will be also helpful to us. So having the historic preservation around us has also been an important goal for us to that end. And um, Again, I'm just really excited to be able to work with Trinity and partner with them moving forward. It's our plan to align our construction schedule with theirs so that there isn't disruption for either party going forward before, during, or after. And um, uh, again, we're fully supportive of this proposal. And come to the event on Saturday. (laughs)
1: I had kind of a follow-up question for t- Todd and Gus, I guess. Um, the Arboretum area is excluded from the um, from the Trinity development. Um, and being on the Master Planning Committee, we always thought that the Arboretum area was a particularly valuable piece of property for, for, for lots of reasons. And I'm just wondering, um, are, are there any thoughts about what's gonna be done with that? This is nothing. <laughs> uh and it it, and is the thinking to be consistent with what the master plan originally had for that for that area so it's it's kind of a an it's an important sort of unknown in this equation right now so i'm wondering if there's any thought about what's going to happen with that
0: I, I can I can give you the answer of one selectman am, and who's not even an amateur real estate developer um, I was although I wasn't on the master planning committee I think I made almost all the meetings and uh, one of the things that echoed in my uh, mind around the Arboretum was the advice Kathy McCabe give us, gave us that said most towns make the mistake of developing the land on the front of the property. And then they f- have to figure out what to do with the back of the property. So the advice was fix the back of the property and then you'll find that the front of the property is worth more. So that's, you and I both heard that advice and I, I can attest that I still remember that advice, take it seriously. Um, uh, for Trinity, the way, this is just the way I'm thinking about it first, because we did take it and because it is right next to where you guys did stuff. I hope by now, as much as we've learned that you're collaborative, I hope that you have learned that as a town, we are, we made a bunch of value judgments around what we wanted to do with here that we're not sell out to the highest bidder. Uh, and anything that I think we would look at doing as a town on the Arboretum, would be consistent with not doing anything stupid with what, you know, relative to what you all are doing. In fact, I think it would be something that would somehow or other at least be compatible and ideally synergistic. Uh, for that reason, the way I think about it is I kind of want to know what this comes out looking like and how it all plays out before I'll actually feel like I know how to think exactly about what to do in the Arboretum. So I'm hesitant to say what our plans are, because at least speaking for one person, I don't have specific plans. But I don't think you would see us do something that would be drastically, you know, <laughs> violate what the what the thoughts were in, in the master plan. And we, what I'm what I'm hedging a little bit here is we threw out ideas about senior housing, but the master plan talked about millennial housing, and I don't I don't think it'd be appropriate to tie things down completely like that and once everything is up and running there and the and and cam is up and running there we're going to see something and then it's going to become a little more logical what the what the supplemental thing might make the most sense to be both from an economic standpoint from the town but also from a, a you know a, a, an integration standpoint with the bigger site
1: As an example, (laughs) um, I read the Pulte proposals, right, with lots of money, and to me, if something like that took place in the Arboretum area, it would be a devastating effect on the whole project.
0: So you're saying you don't want to just go for the money in the Arboretum? Yeah. Yeah. I I don't picture trying to put something in there that is so radically different that it wouldn't uh, it wouldn't make sense we don't have any aversion to making money on that property i don't believe we will have to have an official meeting with the selectman to make sure that we don't somehow or another want to be philanthropic in all things we do but um my point was i don't think we know exactly what we want to do there i don't think we want to do anything stupid there and i think we want to see how this all plays out because we think that that will enhance the i think That'll enhance the value of of the Arboretum at at some point in time when we wanna do something with it. Todd's the one who actually knows what he's talking about. That was just purely amateur comment.
12: Bill made a comment about the next committee and I think it might be accurate. But um, you know, I I think where we got to, because when we started with the RFP, it covered most of the land north of Hospital Road. We wanted to sort of see what ideas would come back. But I think ultimately it's dealing with our biggest problem first, right? The biggest problem is the condition and environmental situation with the brick buildings. So, you know, there's some great wood frame cottage buildings in the Arboretum. I know some people would really like to save them. I, you know, I don't don't think the town is saying they shouldn't be saved. It's just, it's more of a hold situation. You know, any, the infrastructure will get addressed as part of this first phase the town's biggest liabilities will get addressed as part of this big phase. And then I think we're in a situation where, over time, the town can make decisions about what it wants to do on that other piece. I think the master plan talked about 24, I think, for sale units. Um, Pulte's proposal was, you know, 72 or something. But I think you're in a very different situation. So if the town goes out for an RFP, let's say, in the future on the Arboretum, you're in a much different situation when you're going out on the strength of what Trinity, if it's approved, you know, what they've done. In the core campus, it's a fundamentally different and better situation for the town. and an opportunity, you know, people talk about the purchase price, but I mean the the amount that Trinity is paying does not include the Arboretum, which you know that the master plan talked about, you know, including in a sale. so it's it's a good problem to have, I guess I would say. I think
8: there's nothing online, I thought I saw our hand somewhere. Okay.
6: <laughs> uh, Chris Pot, Seven Curve Street. Just a clarifying question on the historic tax credits. Um, even though the five years, even though there's the five year rental requirement, beyond five years, do they provide any kind of a lifetime uh, protection for those properties? I seem to remember that there's some kind of a historic restriction or something that comes with those tax credits, or no?
3: From my understanding, it's a five-year compliance period.
5: Yes.
16: I can confirm that.
5: Right.
3: It has protections under the Medfield Historic District.
11: If you convert unit or units into a condo, how does that affect the 40B status of of the units that are there now? Do they just not become 40B and then it's a future burden on the town to get back up to safe harbor status? Or I don't know how that works if it gets converted to a condo after five years.
9: If the um, apartments are converted to condos, then the, um, project no longer the all of the rental units count on the SHI so that would come down um, significantly and it would mean just the 80 uh, is 80, 85 affordable units will remain on our subsidized housing inventory in perpetuity um, yeah but as a rental project uh, or a rental development excuse me then all of the units count um, as long as the project there so it really does help the town um, account for other um, areas of growth do we have any other questions maybe we can wrap it up for tonight we'll see you um, a week from saturday out at medfield state hospital with trinity and their breakfast truck and <laughs> and milo yeah leo will be there too to meet milo and rooney yeah (laughs) no the the location is actually being changed from town hall to a more festive environment so um and the special town meeting is tuesday june 21st at six p.m., the start time of six p.m. at Medfield High School. So thank you all. Nick, do you have Oh, okay. There's special wristbands, like we said. Hi. We're ready for you. Come join us. We'll have COVID protocols in place, like we did for annual. So thank you, everybody.